Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with producer Guy. We're on to episode number 87. And we're recording this the day after the Open Championship at Royal St. George's, where Colin Marikawa put on a near flawless display to become the champion golfer of the year. His golf was near flawless. I think his speech was flawless. It was classy, that one. I was was watching it, and... I wanted him to do well. I didn't want him to fade away. But I also wanted Spieth to make a real charge, which he did, to be fair. I was kind of rooting for Spieth. I don't know why. Um, but then when Colin won, I was thinking, you know what? Yeah, I'm happy with that. He's got two majors. He's won both majors on his debut in those majors, which is Ridiculous. outrageous. But then his speech was just utter class. He's won 25% of majors he's played in. <laughs> That's madness. So lots to unpack today. Um, I certainly... It really, really absorbed into the Open Championship this year. Obviously, we we were lucky enough to be down there uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a little bit of Friday we drove home. Um, But then, obviously, to see the golf progress over the weekend and players kind of looking like they were going to take a charge, like John Rahm and Brooks Koepka. Um, We've obviously got to talk about Louis Oosthuizen because uh, I I actually thought it was his this year. of all the times, obviously he's won the Open before in 2010 at St Andrews. He's been so close this year, knocking on the door time and time and time again. If anything we learn from this week's Open, always bet on Louis mm-hmm. each way because you're going to get pretty you're going to get a pretty decent return over the time. I think he obviously didn't have the best round. He was one over par, which I think was only it was his only round that week, obviously over par. <laughs> But then I think because Colin's round was so good and he went four under, I don't feel like Louis necessarily blew it, but you would have had your money on him at the start of the day, wouldn't you? 100%. I just felt with experience, I felt like, if I'm honest, with Colin never playing in the Open before, um, he played in the Scottish Open last week, he's so new out on tour, I thought the occasion might have got the better of him. At 24 years of age, I try and put myself in that position now, Never mind at 24 years of age. I mean, are they braver back then? Was it, was, uh, were people more, uh, are people, I don't know, I'm trying to picture myself at 24. I just can't imagine being under that much pressure in the final group of an Open Championship with some of the greatest players in the game chasing your tail and you go bogey free to shoot four under and win by one. I almost don't think... You two, can, sorry, did he win by... You won by uh, two. I, I almost don't think you can 
put yourself in their shoes as, as golfers and as people. Because if we went out playing a game of golf now, just a casual, even just for no money or for a fiver or to buy lunch, whatever it was, and I'd have put to beat you on the last hole that was six foot. I'll be honest now, the pressure might get more, like might be too much for me and I'd probably miss it. I'd get shaky knees and miss it. But these guys, not only has he obviously won the Open now in the USPGA, it was the PGA, wasn't it? It was the one with the Wanamaker trophy. Yeah, so USPGA. The um, he's had, obviously, big games of golf, being a junior, being an elite amateur, now obviously on tour. These guys can handle it and that's how they've got to where they are, isn't it? Yeah. They obviously feel pressure like we all do. But for them... It's just different, and the way he was so calm the last few holes, and he didn't massively celebrate, did he? Really, he no. was kind of so reserved and so casual. But I think for these guys, that's how they get to the level they are. They're just so cool, calm, collected. And I was watching him thinking, "How on earth are you hitting that tee shot on the 18th? How do you not just turn to jelly?" I know. Even on the very first tee shot, I, I kind of had a little side bet myself. I, I said to myself, "If Louis hits the fairway, he wins." And if Colin doesn't, he, or whatever, Colin strike one right down the middle of the fairway and Louis put it in the right rough. And I just thought, even just then, I thought, God, I, I don't know how you do it. So all credit to Colin Morikawa. I think he's a very worthy winner. Um, it'll be fascinating to see how his career pans out because I don't feel like he's fourth in the world. He might have been ranked higher now even after that. He's three win. now. Is he three? He's, he's like come out of nowhere as well. He's third in the world. And most people, obviously now, they know who he is. I bet not a lot of people in the world of golf know who he is. And certainly nobody outside of the world of golf knows really who he is until possibly now is this his kind of big launch pad that sets him aside to everyone else. I think, yeah, I think winning that first major got him onto the, the minds of the actual proper golf fans. Like the casual fan that dips in and out who just watches the Ryder Cup and maybe the Open and the Masters might not have known who he was. No. Maybe not people listening to this podcast, but, you know, the less the more kind of casual fan. But I think he said winning two... I mean, winning sounds obvious, but you think about majors and how big they are. And we, we say this a lot, and, and it's not obviously anything that people haven't heard before, but Westwood, never won a major. Ian Poulter, never won a major. Montgomery, never won a major. We could go off all day. You know, a superstar, elite golfers, a borderline household names who are at the top of the game for 10, 20, 30 years' time. Well, in fact, how, how far is, is Westwood off being 30 years on tour now? It can't be that far away. Well, wasn't there a stat that we saw? Has he played in now the most major championships without, without a win? He's won eight, I think it's not one. He's played in 88 majors, I believe, now without winning one. So he's 20. I think he's not far for a 30 year career now, Westwood, it, is he? Well, his first Open Championship, I believe, was 95. Yeah, so he's not a million miles off the 26 yeah. years or something. I might, might be wrong with that, but I'm pretty sure it's 95, his first Open. And he's won two in eight. Colin Morkow's won two majors in eight, eight um, majors. So, incredible. If he oh, plays got... the same amount of majors as Westwood, and that record, he'll win 20-odd. Yeah. That's outrageous, isn't it? It's obviously a big ask. I but... mean, there's, they were trying to pad it out on TV a little bit as well, and obviously they were just trying to fill, fill some airtime. And they were talking about, can Morikawa be the next Tiger? Can he be this? Nobody knows the answer to this. But from the way he started, the way he's been playing, his iron play Unreal. is exceptionally better than anybody else on the planet right now. I mean, that's quite a scary fact. Yeah. His iron play is ridiculous. Something like he's plus one, like 1.5 shots gained with his irons, and the closest next to that, I think it was Dustin Johnson at 0.91. So he's like 0.6 of a shot ahead of Dustin Johnson with his irons. And his swing. I love how it's that quite slow takeaway back to the yeah. top, and then he just turns it in so much speed. Um, I think, actually, I had a lesson of the week, and I kind of tried that a little bit, because I had to change some things on my backswing. 
And that kind of slow back, getting into position, and then trying to turn into speed at the top. I quite like that feeling. I wonder if more people will start. Because you Matsuyama had a similar thing. Oh, yeah, I wonder if true. we'll see more people yeah, now. Yeah, it's very true. It's quite nice. You know what I mean? You get a ride, should be here, and then bang. But his swing is pure. Who who did you really think was going to... Obviously, you mentioned Spieth. His final round was phenomenal. Yes. I honest, I, I tipped John Rahm to win. Mm, you weren't far off. I had Dustin. So it wasn't a million miles off. Well, I know they, they weren't the biggest outside... Off. Number one and number two in the world, but after kind of the starts, but John Rahm yesterday could have easily shot under sixty. He had so many chances to to go ridiculously deep yesterday. Um, he didn't. He shot four under, same as Spieth, same as Morikawa. Uh, but the way that kind of those three players all shot four under was very different. Mm-hmm. Like Morikawa just did a no mistakes four under, where Spieth was a little bit more like sporadic, but obviously he still managed to shoot four under. And Ram again had a four under, but could have easily been ten under. And yeah, Brooks was five. You know what's mad though? When you look at like the top ten, there it, it is for me what separates those super, super, super elite top players because you've got. John Rahm is now world number one again. He came third, well, tied third. Brooks came tied sixth, and Dustin came tied eighth. It's like they're always up there, aren't they? Or it feels like they're always up there. They're not having the best weeks, and they're they're still a couple of shots away from winning. Yeah, Tony Finau was tied 15th. He's always kind of in that top 20, and he really, it feels, you know, these guys are doing it week in, week out. Aaron Rye uh, tied 19th. But yeah, it um, it was a good open. I think. I like two kinds of open. Well, I like to be a kind of an open winner. I do like people winning one that you feel like would do a major. So like when Harrington won, he was yep. due a major. Yep. And then I also like people winning them, like a Tiger, who are on a rampage of winning majors. So for me, I think Marikawa was that latter. He was like, he's already got one major in the can. He's now on two. You'd like to think he's going to go on to get double figures. And you it's like, like You'll like him because he's young. Mm? Young blood. Well, that, I know a joke isn't it? it doesn't always go down well, but I personally would prefer a younger guy to win than an older guy. And I can see both sides. Some people prefer the older guy because it's what makes golf so different. You wouldn't get a guy who's 50 competing in the Premier League, would you, for Chelsea or for Liverpool? But you can get a golfer who's 50, go on and, and win the Open or do very well yeah. in the Open. So I can see why people love that. But for me, I always think as a golfer and as a kind of, well, I'm not even that young anymore, but it's, it's like younger golfer, if you like, compared to some of the people that play. We want to obviously get more kids inspired Personally, I think Morikawa is going to be more inspiring than some of the older golfers. Hundred percent. But you could say some of the older golfers might inspire older people to take up the game because they could see an older guy who's fifty doing well. So it, it swings and roundabouts. But for me, it was a great win. And as I touched on earlier, I think his speech was class. The way he, the first thing he said was he congratulated the amateur. Um, what was his name? Smith. Uh, Matthias. Yeah. Matthias Smith. Oh, I think it is pronounced. The way he gave him like a couple thirty forty seconds of like air time, just just thanked him. That was so class. It was. It made me laugh though. How were you saying? Like, you know, I remember two years ago I was in your position, and and, and you think, oh my god, it's literally two yeah. years ago. You were you were that person two years ago. It was it, mad. You know, and everything you've achieved five PJ Tour wins now, or five wins, should I say, not PJ Tour wins, five wins, fourteen million dollars in prize money so far. Outrageous. I think he's doing all right for himself. He's doing. All, I think with <laughs> with how he talks and how he comes across, he's going to be a sponsor's dream. One thing I want to touch on, though, on terms of sponsored dream, I think it's quite interesting here. So, obviously, as most people will know, he's a tailor-made player, tailor-made ambassador, and what a good ambassador he is, is of your brand. The way he speaks, the way he articulates himself, and the way he plays golf, obviously, now is class. The tailor-made, I'm sure, are rubbing their hands together. But what was quite interesting, I got tagged on this on Instagram today, and I went over and had a look at it, was naturally, tailor-made have gone to town with the promotion. Why would they not? They pay him, obviously, a lot of money, so they want to utilise him when he wins. But 
we'll on the video version of the podcast, we'll probably put up a little picture of this. So if you're listening, just go to Instagram and have a look. But on TaylorMade's Instagram, TaylorMade Golf, it's currently the third picture across the grid, so like the third newest picture. There's a picture of Marikawa and his follow-through. It says, Colin Marikawa wins with Sim 2. And then the title, the caption of that post is, Colin Marikawa is the champion golfer of the year. Historic performance at the Open propels him to his second major title in his eighth major start. Hashtag Sim 2, hashtag Team TaylorMade. Okay. So, so without me seeing the picture, I'm fully expecting that picture to be a brand new Sim 2 or Sim 2 Max driver that he smashed down the middle of the fairway. That's what you're presuming it's going to be. 100%. And to be honest with you, to the untrained eye, the person that's scrolling quick on the phone, that's what it is. But actually, it's a furry wood. Okay. And it is five wood. Okay. And the reason for that is that his what's in the bag, he's currently using the old, if you like, SIM drivers. The SIM, what would be SIM 1, but SIM driver. So the 2019 SIM. Or uh, 2020 SIM. And he's using the same three woods, the SIM, again, 1, if you like, from 2020. Um, so his five wood is the SIM 2, to be fair. So he is using that. And nowhere in this picture does it say this is his driver, but it does feel a little bit misleading. And there's a lot of comments saying about how yeah, but he's using the old driver. And they got me thinking, I'd say they made right to do that. Should they have done something around the old driver? Should they have tried to leverage the fact he's using last year's and maybe gone down the campaign as Marikal wins with the sim driver? We don't make our athletes change unless they absolutely want to. Like, do you know what I mean? What, yeah. could, what do you think, Rick, from your experience kind of in this industry now for so long? What should they have done? Is that okay? Should they have gone with the old driver? What do you think? It is. It's very interesting when a player wins with old product, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because the brands have a bit of a it's great for the brand because everybody knows that he is a tailor-made player. He's got his tailor-made bag, the brown and white one that they had for the Open this week. Um, there was a big story about him switching his irons at the start of the week. In fact, he actually switched to the irons that I, I use, the P7MCs. Yeah. But then, like you say, it's very misleading when they're trying to push this message that our new driver is the best driver. Our Sim 2 driver is the best driver. That's what we hear. That's what all the messaging's about. But yet, they've got their best athlete going out there and... Oh, apart from DJ, because technically he's the best athlete, but going out there and winning with an old product. Um, I think they should have been open with it, personally. I think it's a hard battle for them because they can't sell the old stuff because mm-hmm. it's not in stock. I've heard a rumour that they can't even get hold of the new stuff. Like, stock for Sim 2 is wow. really difficult to get hold of. So they're in, they're in a tricky situation because they obviously want to advertise it, they want to promote it. Um, that post is a bit kind of sly because obviously they're, they're leveraging on the fact that he's using a sim 2 five wood which statistically i don't know how many times he even hit that week um I, I think they should be more open i think they should almost joke about it and go our old driver still as good as everybody else's drivers mm. like like go our even our old sim is still better than everyone else's driver it, or yeah. use it as some capacity it is but what also again again we'll put this image up if you are watching if you're listening again just look, just look on the instagram but the actual pitch they've got I'm sure they've not faked it, but the five wood head looks big, and it does look like a driver. Have a look now; it's it's literally he's he's got like three pitches on one. There's one of the kind of club, one of him like in a swing. There's like a big one that's him kind of posing, probably like a press shoot. And the way it's taken, the five wood head looks like a driver. Um, And some of the comments—I mean, I know you can't go off comments on Instagram, but. Um, oh, it does look big. Somebody's commented the driver was a sim though, and then like the little emoji with the the thing that you know that confused looking face. But they bring out groundbreaking technology every year, and then like a, a weird face again. So there's been a lot of people kind of picking up on it, and I don't know. I just got, what should they have done? Should they, I don't know. It's hard one, isn't it? I must admit, I've always felt like TaylorMade are the one brand that really do 
get their players to switch mm. into sim the next model. Yeah. Like it's very, very, very rare. Like when a new sim whatever drive comes out, Rory switches, DJ switches, Tiger switches, Tommy Fleetwood now is one of their players, he switches. Like it's it's quite rare for somebody to certainly in Taylor Made, I've seen it in other brands before. Like I've known like tight list of like when Speeth famously won the open at uh, Burtdale, he had a dr- driver that was much older than everything else that was brand new. Um, I, I'd just be transparent with it. I think brands should just be de- super honest with it. Talking about drivers, yeah. talking about brands, talking about players, I think a lot of people remember from the podcast, I can't remember what number it was, probably in the 50s, mm. you made a statement. Yes. Is Bryson DeChambeau good for Cobra Golf? Well, in fact, it was a bit. It was a, it was a question, and it was yeah. It was is Bryson uh, was he? I can't remember to say is he good or was he a bad sign. I can't remember. But it was quite. Is he is he good for Cobra Golf? Yeah. <laughs> now we're a bit late to the party on this. Obviously, this this podcast is coming out Tuesday, and the, this story broke Friday afternoon, a uh, Thursday afternoon. Sorry, after his first round at, at Royal St George's, Bryson DeChambeau came off, and in an interview after the round, he was talking not happy with his round of golf. I think he shot one over or something. And he said the driver sucks. Yes. Like not not and I've never heard a player ever, ever in contract be so outrageously um disrespectful for the brand that are paying the money. When I first saw it, I thought it said the driver sucked, meaning like I hit the driver yeah. back today. And I thought I'd have taken that out of context. But no, it was actually a case of him saying the driver sucks. And there was that was because he was talking about the face of the driver and then he since apologised. You are right though, we're a little bit late to the party on this, but we had to cover it because it was something we've spoke about before. The title of that podcast clip we did last time was a bit clickbait, but it said, Did Cobra make a big mistake by signing Bryson DeChambeau? It was episode number sixty six. Um so if you want to go and see the clip on that, it's on YouTube. We were being a little bit silly with that, but we got talking at the time. I was an old driver and stuff like that. That must have been the worst PR ever for Cobra. I mean, I'm a big Bryson fan. I love what he's doing, how he's being different. I love how he is a bit controversial. I love how we can talk about him. And at the Open, he was the one guy I wanted to watch. He was the new Tiger for me. He was the guy I had to see him. I couldn't go home and not see him at a driver. And it was unbelievable to watch. I think there's two things. I, I, I like Bryson. And I know people say on Twitter, oh, you don't like Bryson because he doesn't shout four. I don't, I like him like what you're saying. He's changing the game. He's doing something different. And you're right, at the Open, he brought in the biggest crowd mm. this week. I honestly believe that. Yeah. I honestly believe that he brought in, he, he is changing the dial, not Tiger-esque yet, but he's changing the dial to some degree. You had people on the, on, I spoke to a, a marshal on the driving range actually. And he said the busiest time it was, without question, was when Bryson was on the range. Well, one thing I saw online, which I would definitely agree with, from what I saw, was that if you go off Twitter, which you shouldn't do, you think everybody hates him. In real life, people really like him yeah. and want to watch him. So what you're saying is true. There's two things I don't like about him. Okay. Number one, the press conference he did before the Open, when he says, when some, uh, uh, it wasn't me, by the way, that asked the question, why do you not shout for? So he sat to us 99% of the time. BS. Yeah. That is BS. He does not shout for 99% of the time. Not even close. I've definitely, and I'm not saying I've influenced this one bit, I've definitely seen a trend of more players shouting for in the last few mm-hmm. weeks. 
Like, 100%. Uh, uh, without question, more players are shouting for. Bryson shouting for. I've seen Rory shouting for. I saw speech. I, I saw most players, if they've hit it offline, it's going towards people or it's gone, going towards an area we can't see and you're not sure who's there. I've seen a lot more players shouting for. So, big credit to that. I don't know if the tour are locking down a little bit more. Um, so, I, I didn't like him saying that because that's not facts. Mm-hmm. And then I think he's just... It's great for us. It's juicy content. But as a as a brand ambassador, for someone who, of his stature to say something so um, disrespectful and derogative, it's not the right word, is it? Um, I'm not going to try it. <laughs> derogative, is it? Yeah. About your brand that you pay, you, you're paying money for this person. Well, the, th- the thing is, we all say things that we might regret, you know, and, and I've had that last couple of weeks of the podcast. But... He is still a youngish guy. He's 27. He'll be turning 28 this year in September, according to Wikipedia. So he's still a youngish bloke. Yeah. So I'm sure when he'd come off the golf course frustrated, he's going to say things that he might look at later and say, I wish I hadn't said that or I should have said that better. That's fair. And to be fair, that same evening, he put out a statement apologising. Yeah. And fair dues, because I think that takes a brave man to go, okay, hold my hands up. I got it wrong. Here's my statement. I love working with Cobra, whatever it may be. Well, did he do it though? Will it not just be his PR team saying you can't say whichever, that? Yeah. Whichever, but what I was going to get onto then was we all say things like that. I'm sure he has said things he should have said better. But saying that about the, the brand that sponsor you is a big thing to say. And also, with, like, this is why we brought this thing on last time about is he good or bad for the brand? Because obviously he gets a lot of eyeballs on Cobra products. That's great. But He's not a normal golfer, is he? He wants different irons, the one-length irons with massive grips on different shafts, etc. The driver's got now, I think, a five-degree head. It's not really the one that you could go into the shop and buy. So I imagine the team that are working with him are doing a hell of a lot to help him to create these mad golf clubs. And in a way, they are taking a bit of a risk because they know that people know he's so out there and so different that the consumer might not necessarily go and buy the product he uses because they know it's almost so different and out there, if you get me. So it's not like a guaranteed return. And and I think going back to that, like the driver doesn't suck. Like I've tested that yeah. the Cobra Rad Speed driver is a good driver. That's not the driver Bryson's using. He's using a a, a, a monstrosity of a of a golf club that allows him to perform at his level. That he's swinging so fast, putting under so much tolerances, expecting so much from. And I saw a lot a lot of because um, a lot of golf retail shops probably didn't want that statement no. either like never mind it's bad for cobra like if you own a big retail shop or a pro shop and you've got a big stock of cobra yeah. clubs the last thing you want is their key athlete he is their key athlete there's nobody else now ricky's not doesn't change the dial for cobra anymore unless he gets back playing well where you've got bryson saying that and if you're in a pro shop and you're looking turning around and going crap i've got 50 drivers here trying to sell them i've got two questions for you then i want to hear your opinion on so first one let's just say Let's make up a situation that next week Cobra and Bryson decide to part ways. Okay. This has been too, it's not going to happen, but let's just pretend it has. Who do you realistically think would actually then want to sign Bryson? Because initially you might think everybody, he's a high up world, he's one of the most talked about golfers in the world, he's super high world ranking, he's won a major, etc. But they know they've got to go out and build him a unique set of clubs that are very different and it's going to be a big ass. They're going to have to then start making uh, one length clubs, etc., etc. What one brand, if he could, do you think it would want him and that he would suit? Callaway. Okay. I, I, I just feel like he would fit Callaway. I think Callaway would bend over backwards. They've got a track record in making long drive drivers. Because TaylorMade doesn't really have that pedigree of like, let's say 
You know when you go to a lo- watch a long drive yeah. competition, they're either some like crank drivers, yeah. which I've never heard of. Unique brands, aren't they? Yeah, Callaway are pretty pretty big in that game. So I reckon they'd have the expertise to be able to branch that down into into kind of Bryson territory. I don't think Ping would. I don't no. think Strixon would. I don't think TaylorMade would. Or PXG. That's a good shout because yeah, they've not they've not got any big names anymore, have they? But have they got the you know the the infrastructure, the R and A? To help Bryson as R and D, R and D, oh yeah, <laughs> really open the mind. <laughs> the R and D to help Bryson like make these clubs. Listen, money talks. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure whoever came in with the right money. Um, but is he bothered about the money? Like, would he be about a brand? Like, he used to he used to use Adele Club, spelled E D E L, and they were the one of the first brands to make him one of those putters. He obviously uses uh, iron. Sorry, he uses a sick putter, so he doesn't really need a putter brand. He uses Bridgestone golf balls. I mean, Bridgestone might be a shout. Mm-hmm. Like Bridgestone make obviously yeah. golf clubs. They they've worked with Bryson. They know how he operates. Um, so I, if I was to put it, I don't think they're going to part. That's what I'm going to say first. But I think if they did, I think he'd, I'd see him going Callaway or Bridgestone. As much as you say he doesn't like the money, and I, doesn't necessarily need the money, and I think I agree with you, but when you look at his Twitter bio, his Twitter bio is Cobra Puma, Bridgestone, DraftKings, OneStream Software, Rocket Mortgage, Veritex Bank, Bentley, Bose, Rolex, HD Golf, Flightscope, LAGP, Jumbo Max, Trump Golf. So that's his sponsors. We've got one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen sponsors in his bio. Second question then. So he does like the dough. Second question is Cobra in the last few years have really taken a massive jump forward, I would say. When I was growing up, they were very much seen as the kind of old man brand, the seniors brand, and they were part of the cushionet family, so you had Titleist and you had Cobra. And Titleist and then they had that era where they had like really loud drivers, mm. I think it was the four forty SZ or whatever it was yeah. called. And certainly the last few years and then they kinda of signed Ricky and went the orange brand and quite cool, but the, some of the stuff wasn't great. Anyway, F9 launched in 2019, I think it was, and they really, you had it in the bag, you had the one after that in the bag as well, and they really kind of turned the tide. And now, you have to admit, the clubs are serious, aren't they? Yeah. Drivers, great. Iron's pretty good. Wedges are actually probably better than people give them credit for. And the new putter family's actually decent as well. I thought they wouldn't, wouldn't be, but they are. So my question then comes to, I'm on the website now, I'm looking at the stable of athletes, okay? I think you need to do more. So the current athletes are Ricky Fowler, yep. who's huge name, not really performing is he massively at the moment. He's a household name, lots of people know him, but like I say, his golf has been less than less than great recently. Then they've got Lexi Thompson, so massive name, name in the LPJ. So a fair play, great signing. Great almost almost can't get bigger name than Lexi Thompson. Oh, perfect athlete. Bryson, yeah, obviously huge name. Jason Duffner, didn't know that. Yeah, big name, but. Biggest, you know, is yeah. he going to shift the Cobra product? Didn't know he was with Cobra Puma. Then we go to Greg Norman. So, huge name, obviously very much synonymous with Cobra, but... He's not know, playing. Older generation. I think yeah. he says he's a champion's tour, but older generation. Might play the odd bit. It's probably quite good if they have a media day. They have Greg Norman there, but does he shift product? Then they've got, no disrespect to, to this guy I'm going to mention now, but Curtis Thompson on the Corn Ferry Tour. I've never heard of him. They've got Blair O'Neill, who is more of a presenter, I believe. That's now. right. But it does say... Um, Symmetra or Symmetra Tour, so she must still play a bit. Then we've got Claude Harmon the third, very, very good golf coach, but again, he's a coach, he's not an athlete as such. And then um, Mike Shy, it says Brandon Baster, who I, I don't actually know that guy. Let me just find that because I don't want to be disrespectful and not know who he is. Well, I don't know who he is, but I'm sure I can find very quickly. But anyway, what I'm getting on to, um, 
Oh, he's, he's, he's actually uh, Bryson's coach, apparently. So that kind of makes sense. He's, Bryce, he's a very good golf coach by the looks of things. Is that athlete stable, strong enough? Mm. Is it deep enough? This doesn't, and that's who they've got actually on the Cobra family. So they, I'm guessing they'll have younger guys and girls who are coming up. But who, who are they? Why are they not showcasing them? And is that a good enough stable for a massive brand wanting to compete with your Taylor Major Callaways, your Pings, etc.? I'll tell you who they've not got on there randomly. Carl Bart, Berkshire. Oh, yeah, long drive. Because he's Cobra. Because he's kind of, again, would shift product probably. Yeah. Um, it's probably not, is it? It's probably not strong enough. Certainly, if PJ, if you're looking at just PJ Tour, I mean, you, they certainly pick up a lot of like youth talent. So I've been following the story, and I know you have as well. Um, Sam Forgan, mm-hmm. who was got into the Open via going through regional and then final qualifying at Prince. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And then obviously got into the open and he was fully Puma, cobra up from head to toe, yeah. had the bag, had all the clothing, etc., etc. That's their kind of next level lineup that they have on the, on the sleeve. Is that their model? Are they trying to pick up a lot of these younger kids? Which, to be honest, is the long game that Ping play. Mm-hmm. Ping pick up a lot of very, very yeah. young talent, very early doors, try and nurture them, look after them, and just hope they don't leave mm-hmm. and, and kind of do it that way almost in-house. Probably a bit tight-list as well. Yeah. I don't ever remember tight-list going out their way to sign a massive name. No. Where they'll, they'll, they, kind of, they kind of build it in like Spieth, like Justin Thomas and all that. They were already with Titleist yeah. before we even knew who they were. Do you know yeah, what I mean? True. So um, Cobra either needs to buy talent, which is expensive, very expensive, and they might have to put all their eggs in one basket and, and bought Bryson. Because God knows I'm Ricky must cost him. a few quid as well. Ricky must cost a lot. Lexi must cost a lot. 
where they might be now, that might be their kind of early goal. And in the background, what we're not seeing and maybe what they're not advertising is they're picking up these massive wealth and, and huge stable of really young players coming through and hope as they nurture into their PGA Tour um, you know, journeys that they don't go and ship off to Callaway or Taylor May because that's gamble, what can happen. It? Big gamble. Um, it is interesting. Very, very Quite an equipment um, I know, podcast. I've got one more topic to talk about equipment-wise, which we have got a video coming out on... Probably maybe, Friday. Yeah, maybe later this week. So we don't want to maybe give too much away on, on performance of the product, but it's definitely something I want to talk about, and that is this new tailor-made drive, this 300 Mini driver. So Mini mini driver, 300 series, uh, £349. Pounds. Uh, I've tested it today, mm-hmm. in fact. So a video will be coming out later this week. And I raised the question, is this driver pointless? Mm-hmm. Because at the moment, no, I just don't understand where it sits. Because if you struggle with driver, why not either get coaching, use a more lofted driver? This is a smaller, heady driver, which in theory would make it harder to hit. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's got loads of loft. It's got 13 and a half as standard and you can crank it to 15 and a half if you want to. And it's so much bigger than a three wood. No other brand really makes them. So back in the day, Callaway used to make one. TaylorMade have been the main people who've wanted to make this mini driver. They seem to bring them out every kind of couple of years or was the original one actually last year? It might have been the year before now. It doesn't feel very long ago though. All the last few years are blending into one. So for me, I don't feel like there's much of a market for it. There's no other brands bringing them out, but wait till Friday to find my full review, which I still test fairly, even though I I think this point club may be somewhat pointless Mm -hmm. and find out what my actual summary is come Friday. Well, they actually, I didn't realise it. They do two models of it. They do the one that we had, which is 13.5, which you can go down a couple of degrees, up a couple of degrees, and then they do an 11.5 one as well, so it's a bit stronger. Um, the length of the club is 43.75, so most drivers now about 45 and a half, so it's about an inch and three quarters shorter than standard. So it's like a long three-wheel mini driver. It's a very, very strange club, and as you said then, we talked about before, when we, after they would film the video, if this was something that was a real market for, they wouldn't just be tailor-made making them. Every man and his dog would make them. It's like when you see um, these hollow-headed irons now that, that, that um, well, probably PXG first started, but everyone now, every big brand makes a hollow-head iron because there's a market for yeah. it. You know, every brand makes big putters that makes putters because there's a market, there's real stable every, every putters. Every brand makes high-toe wedges. Exactly. There's, there's a real market for some products. So obviously then brands start to do it. There's no patent on a mini driver. You can't patent that. It's just a big three-wood slash mini driver. So the fact that no other brand's making them does scream out to me that there mustn't be much of a demand. I do know it's a limited release. I know TaylorMade aren't kind of bringing out loads of them. But I didn't see anybody, I, don't think, I think, use that original one. Certainly out in the in, in the kind in of the wild. wild world. Yeah, in the <laughs> wild. So I, I just don't understand why they're bringing this club out. Um, obviously, you know, performance reviews coming this week, so you'll see how it actually works. But in terms of, a, of an actual, it's weird, isn't it? I don't Very quite strange. get it. Um, I want to ask a question. Okay. And I think I know your answer, but I want to dive into it a little bit more as well. After the, coming off the back of the Open, are you absolutely still 100% the Open is your favourite major? Yes. I love the Open. Yeah. And I love the Masters. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And I, I think I know one reason why I potentially love the Masters on equal to the Open. Because I think on paper, I should love the Open more. Okay. On paper. Because it's the home Open. We get to go to so many of them. I've played so many of the golf courses that played on. Um, 
and it's a real test and you see players struggle and you see you know you see different talent and you can qualify it i love all the story the romance around it the reason why i feel like the masters stands apart on its own and this is where i think the open could be different but it's not never going to do this what i love about the masters two things for me first off it's on later in the day mm-hmm. so i love watching it going into the evening i mean yeah. that's not something the open can control because i live no. in the uk so that's one thing the other thing i love about the masters is that I know what holes are coming up. Yeah. So I know, like, there's an eagle chance on 13, there's an eagle chance on 15, who could get a hole in one potential on 16, 18's that dog leg round the corner up the hill. I know the holes so unbelievably well, even though I've never played the golf course, I almost, in my head, plot out what's going to take place. Yeah. Like, even through nine holes, you know that back nine at the Masters is going to be the hardest back nine in the world, certainly under pressure. Like, it's, it's that, thing that i really love about the masters it, yeah it, it, it's like a disneyland it, it's got roller coasters roundabouts all these crazy stuff i feel like for the open even though i knew the golf course never played royal st george's i don't know what's going to happen at certain holes yeah. it always, always seems a bit of a mystery still so do you get, does that make sense that's it i think there's obviously four majors everybody knows that and everybody's going to have the favorite i don't think many pick the uspga personally whenever we done a poll or ask people that comes in last yeah and then you typically find then it's US Open and then it's, for a lot of people, it could be the Open or it could be the Masters. There's been a big thing this year about being the British the British Open or the Open. Obviously, it's called the Open Championship. It doesn't offend me if people call it the British Open. Certainly, American people, it doesn't really... Colin called it that in his yeah, speech. Yeah, does it, it? it bother you? Um, I understand why they call it the British Open, the yeah, Americans. It and it, personally, it doesn't offend me, but other people seem to get really yeah. triggered by it. So that's it's their own. I love the Masters. Let's just get that out there. I really like the tournament. I think, like you said, the big thing is on at night. So you can yeah. sit down at whatever time and you can watch it. For us in the UK anyway, probably till about midnight and yeah. maybe a bit earlier when it finishes. But it's also not too late. Some of the stuff on the West Coast can finish stupidly late. So it's, it's good for that. And even though I'm not the best at knowing all the holes, there's obviously certain holes I've learned over time that I know and can look forward to. And you know where things can go wrong or shots can be uh, picked back or whatever. So that's really good. But for me, it's the open all day. It is, There's, and I've written, when you're talking, I've written a couple of reasons down for me as to why I personally think it's different. Other people are going to have other views. So if you're watching again on, on the YouTube channel, comment probably below what you think and let's get get some conversation going. For me though, it's open. So like Pete was qualifying and Sam Forgan actually got through and got to the open. Anybody can have that dream who's off scratch or a pro to get into the open. Yep. Special, isn't it? It's romantic. We yeah. know it's incredibly tough, which we've gone over in countless podcasts, but you can have a go. So you next year could have a go at getting into yeah. 150. That's, that is the, there's, there's magic to that. Yeah. And, and it's not uncommon that these guys, um, who aren't that well known do quite well in the open. You know, it's hard for, if you, if you've qualified, it's very hard to then make the cut, but it can happen. Of course it can. I love seeing the crowd. I feel like the crowd at the open is such a, a mix of ages, genders, um, probably even backgrounds. You see people that are obviously very well-to-do and got a few quid. You see groups of lads out on the ale, but not in a necessarily loud way, but having yeah. a good time. You see young families. Yeah. You see couples. You see it all. When I watch the Masters, and I'm sure I can be proven wrong, I've never been, so I might be talking absolute nonsense, but it feels a little bit more elitist. It is elitist, yeah. And I don't know if I like that. You know, when we have the presentation of the Open and the claret jug and the silver medal and the gold medal, it's very much traditionalist, but very authentic and, and feels quite humble. It's quite, it's not a lot goes on because in how big an event it is, they just kind of stand there. Do you get what I mean? The Masters, I'm not a, opposed to the green jacket as such, 
But you have all these guys in green jackets who are chairman and this and that of the golf club. And again, it feels very elitist. And very it's done inside the cabin, like the butler's cabin. Yeah. Very much part of our club kind yeah. of thing. It's yeah. very inclusive. Um, as much as the course at Augusta is probably everybody's bucket list golf course, I'd love to play it, obviously. It feels very fake. It's like, it's this perfect green. I feel like you're hating what I'm saying. No, no, you? no. But it's like, it feels very, like, fake. And it feels like once the lights go off, the grass won't be that green. Yeah. And it's all a bit Disneyland, which I think it you said before. Um, and I think, and lastly, on the Open, I do 100% agree with you that it's not, like, I didn't know much about St. George's. And really, I still don't feel like I do. I know the 16th hole really well now because <laughs> I stood there for a few hours. I know the 18th hole. And bar that, I'm not that well up on the holes. But the fact you go to different courses and there's different bits of history... Also, have different conditions. So, I think this week was perfect. It was sunny. There was a bit of breeze, but not much on the first couple of days. It was a good test of golf with the rough being long, but it was nice weather. But next year at 150 at St Andrews, it could be the same and they could shoot 25 under. It could be horrendous, like when we played yeah, it. Yeah. It's that excitement of not yeah. knowing. And I think for, for me, that conditions and that test of golf and the shots. And we've seen the, what year was it, Tiger won at Liverpool, where it was like baked into two eyes. Yeah, where Liverpool held like, where he, was it 05 maybe? Oh, no, six, no, no, maybe 06, whatever it was. And he and he used like a two iron all the way around and it was like scuttling across the floor. It's just different. Yeah. So for me, <laughs> I'm obviously very open. I think the biased. one thing that I. I don't know whether it's because I've, I, um, what's that terminology? Maybe because there's not been an open for two years or since, well, 2019 was the last one at Rawport Rush and going into this open and watching kind of quite a bit of golf in between, I'd forgotten how good the grandstands are mm. at the open. Like they're amazing. They're absolutely phenomenal like the way that they positioned around the horseshoe around the 18th hole and the horseshoe around the first tee and like the 16th that massive grandstand there i think that i feel like the grandstands are just so so good and you don't i've been to the masters been fortunate I've been to masters you do get a few little kind of seating areas grandstands but not much a lot of it is kind of your green chair and you pop yeah, it yeah. down but for me those grandstands are just so iconic and if i'm honest the probably the golf course might look a little bit flat and boring if they didn't have these grandstands yeah. and pavilions would, because there's no trees, there's, not, there's no no definition. And I feel like those grandstands and, and the way the infrastructure kind of builds around it really really builds up that um, kind of setting. But like, for me, I think if you ask me the week after the Masters, which one do I love the most? I say the Masters. Yeah. You ask me the, the day after the Open, which one do I love the most? I probably am just borderline open. But I love them both as equal, but they're just so different. I'll tell you what the Masters does when on the app. The Masters app. The Open app was decent, but the Masters app is streets ahead, in my opinion. The Open needs to do what the Masters yes, do. I, I would have watched so much more golf. Yeah. Like, ridiculously more. And then, the other thing I think that does affect it, and like you said, because you always have this opinion a week after, a day after, it can be who wins. So that year, 19, when Tiger won the Masters, unbelievable. Yeah. He put the green jacket on, he met his son off the back of the 18th green where he hugged his dad in 97. For me, I don't think that moment will ever get topped. So in that sense, I feel like the Masters... But then when you look at the Open and some of the winners of the Open and what it can mean to them and the things that happen, I think it, it is a tough one. And people are going to have different opinions. I don't think either's right or either's wrong. Um, but let's just say I'm looking forward to the Masters in what will be eight, nine months' time and it's yeah. back again. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about our friend of the show. Min Woo. His first Open Championship, mm -hmm. Min Woo Lee, after winning the Scottish Open up at Renaissance. He, unfortunately, to everyone listening, and I'm sure a lot of people backed him, and we did, we massively support him. He missed out on making the cut by two. Mm -hmm. 
I think he'll be somewhat disappointed with that because I reckon he would have obviously wanted to try and hit, make the cut. Um, we got a chance to chat to him on the driving range on the last practice day. He was so chilled and calmed, wasn't yeah, it? Calm. Class. Um, he will be back. He will be stronger. I think this is a, a, probably a massive learning curve for him. Um, he, he's definitely got the talent to play oh. up there with the best of the best of the best. Scottish Open's a serious tournament. It's a Rolex event and he won yeah. that. Uh, and the way he won it as well was ridiculous. I'm kind of... Surprised, but not surprised. He didn't make the cut, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like you've just won one of the biggest events on the European tour and you've won a, won a million quid. You're going to be on cloud nine and that is either going to then a kickstart you into playing well again the next week or might be a bit too much to handle. So you, you, Sometimes you need a week just to chill, don't you? Yeah, it must be mad. It's it, Yeah, but um, I think he's going to have a very good career. Again, he's so young. 22, is he? Yeah. It's it's mad. I don't know if it's because I'm getting obviously older, but these guys that are so young. I mean, it makes you think back to Tiger, wouldn't it? Was he twenty one? I'm mad. It's madness. I was six at the time, so I didn't. Really, for me, he was a grown up, obviously. But when if I was my age, I'm now. Back then, I was seen him as a child. It's it's yeah. mad. Um, but it was a great week for golf. It definitely got me wanting to play more golf. Yeah, I didn't get after the Masters this year. Weirdly, As I think normally that's the kick you get in like about April time. I don't even know if the course is open here. I can't remember. We, we have this mad year. I think we were. But now I've definitely got the bug. The sun's out, and it definitely made me want to play golf. One thing I put on Twitter that I think you probably saw that got, did quite well was I did a tweet, and I've seen similar things before, and I've mentioned it before on the podcast. But what really would be class is before every round of the Open. So obviously four rounds. We have four amateur golfers of different ability, so a scratch handicapper, a nine, an 18, and 28, play the course that morning. Never would happen, clearly. And then people commented that some similar things are happening on YouTube. I think Eric Anders Lang has done a similar kind of concept, which sounds really good. But what I was saying was actually, if on the morning that could happen again, it never with will. With the crowds, oh, even. With ev- everything's literally the same. So before the first tee, there's four guys who are either members or whatever, genuine <laughs> handicaps, but like I said, scratch, so you get to see what they shoot. Nine single figures, obviously. Eighteen get a shot hole, and then twenty-eight. Although you can get higher handicaps than that now, that was kind of always the traditional highest handicap. And actually, see how these people get on. Were where's the biggest? Obviously, the twenty-eight handicap is probably going to have the hardest time, I'm sure. But just to see how hard it is, because when you look at the results, you finished minus fifteen, which for four rounds of golf is tremendous. But I still think you kind of in your head see it as what's that four hundred power a day, pretty much, and and put it back to your home golf course. It's not, is it? When you no. take into account the length, the rough, the pressure, the grandstand, everything, it's genuinely equivalent to probably shooting 10 under a day at a normal yeah. course, isn't it? Was it there's, a, there's a patron's day there today, which I actually got invited to play in, but I couldn't make it, unfortunately. For me, going out there and playing there today, in those conditions, and that's not, not even with a crowd, I think with a crowd, it, if you're not used to it, it's got to add 10, 10 plus shots to your score. Oh, like these guys weirdly turn it into like a positive. Yeah, it's mad. Like it almost knocks shots off their score. I find it crazy. I tell you what, I saw online that was, or, or listened to or something that was really interesting. They said that if there wasn't the ball spotters there, which obviously there will be every True. year, how much that would affect Bryson. True. There was a good few times where the ball spotters found this ball for him, which if they weren't there, wouldn't happen. Yeah. So you think for the average guy playing that golf course in that rough with no ball spotters, it must be so hard. They, they were amazing on the first hole. So quick. They didn't lose a ball. No. They did not lose any. Not one ball was lost on the first tee shot down the right side. That's mad. And the rough was so, so bad there, and not one player lost the ball. I did say this week's podcast was going to be a bit more kind of like a normal one where we have all the features, but I'll be honest, we kind of knew it was going to be a bit open-focused. So for next week, we will genuinely get back up with all the stupid golf rules and the dear Ricks, etc. So if we have any people that want to send those in, please email them. It's podcast at rickshields.com. 
One thing I have got, though, is a stupid golf rule that took me interest. It's a bit similar kind of vibe to what I've had before, but just one of the, it just makes my blood boil. So it says, hi, guys, uh, fan of the podcast and the videos. I recently started back at golf, and my home golf course were played as a 36 handicap junior. I'm now 21 and played a lot more with friends and my dad, and clearly playing off a lower handicap. I played my medal recently, finishing 11 under my handicap. Um, they dropped me from 36 to 20.5. So that's a really good round of golf. However, here's where it gets frustrating. I obliterated the rest of the field, winning with a net 61, and second place was a net 70. The club captain reviewed the result, brought it to the committee, and disqualified me from the medal, saying that I was going off a wrong handicap, and that it would be updated for my next medal, giving me second place. So that's weird. I'd still give him a place, rather than just getting him out of the tournament completely. Doesn't make sense. But second place happened to be the captain's son, oh. who won the £150 prize... And I've been told that's that. Any thoughts on this? I fume about it and consider doing uh, joining another local course. Please remain remain anonymous. So luckily, I didn't say his name. How bad's that? It's horrendous. That is so bad. No, like, it's his captain's son. You know what makes the worst bit for me? How they're giving him second. Yeah. Because if they actually completely disqualified him and said you handicap, handicap, yeah, it's like really annoying. But oh, flipping that fine. But he'll have probably got, like, say, a 50-quid voucher, which is better than nothing, but he should have had the hunch. See, they're obviously admitting that he deserves something by giving him second place, and yeah. I'm guessing some cash and maybe a little trophy. But yet you're taking away first place and giving it to the captain's son. And what would you feel like if you're the captain's son? Like, do, you, do you like that? It, yeah, the only thing would be, like, is if it's a complete wrong handicap. But it's also not that guy's fault. As long as he's not cheating to get it, if he's been put off that, because that's what you, if, if he's joined and said, well, you're off a junior four years ago and you're off 36, right, I'll put you off that now. It's not really his fault, is it? He can't help that. Um, and obviously, if he has had a massive chop, which he said he did, to 20, it's not going to happen again, or you wouldn't imagine it is. But that's what annoys me about golf yeah. sometimes. Th- these attitudes, and there was some things about um, some of the dress codes that, like at Royal, at, at Royal, St. George's. I literally forgot the name of the golf course then, Royal St. George's, about how, if you're playing, they have to wear like knee-high long socks and stuff like that. And I've got mixed opinions because part of me thinks, well, if that's the rules of that golf course and you want to play it, then you have to go by the rules. Of course. But it doesn't help the image of golf much, does it really? No, and it's funny because we when we were on site, you could tell the Royal St. George's members. Oh, they had the socks you? on, didn't they? They had a little members club and you had to, you had to show your membership, yeah. which, I, you know, I respect and that's what you pay for and you, that, you know, that's your privilege. But like I say, they're not even playing golf and they're still there with the tailored shorts on. I, I just don't get knee-length socks, though. It doesn't actually look good, does it? It doesn't look good, and I don't get it. No, if don't. you're wearing shorts because it's hot, it, you want you want breathability yeah. <laughs> around your bits. like, And you want your legs to be exposed, and you want, like, it, that's the whole idea of wearing shorts. Why would you then wear shorts and, like, big, long socks that go up to your knee? I, I don't I get know. it. I, I don't you, get that as a science. Since I've been playing a little bit more this summer as well, I must admit, I really have gone off dress codes. And I know I've just said that if a golf club has them in place and you join said golf club, then that's part of it. That's fine. You know, you, you're accepting um, the, the rules, you know, fair enough. But it is, it's, it's, it's not that I don't want to... Like, today I've got what would be acceptable. I've got a polo shit on and, like, golf shorts, Nike ones. And to be fair, I'm comfortable and I've actually got a man out of choice today and it's fine. But other days, if I've been somewhere else, I'm in, like, gym-style shorts and gym top and I want to go to the golf club, or clubs in the boot, whatever... Like, oh, God, I'm going to get changed. And it's just that barrier of, like, I'm probably not going to... It's laziness from my part, admittedly, but I'm not probably not going to go to the golf club now. Yeah. I'm going to go home and chill out when I get home. 
And you think that little simplicity of just saying, you know what, wear what you want, would it really affect anything negatively? No. I don't, I don't, I don't think it would. I, I would just say, as long as you are smart. It's hard to define smart, that's what I mean. isn't it? Yeah. And that's why these rules are in place, because, you know, wear what you want, but then where does that barrier... I'm not saying, again, it should offend anybody, but if somebody wants to play with no shirt on, well, or, if, or someone yeah. wants to wear just literally a vest, or I don't, I don't know what... Yeah. I don't think anything would actually offend me. It's no top would be weird, but as long as you said you have to wear... Close, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't know. I just think there's as more. Eighty percent of your skin is covered. <laughs> well, that, that, they definitely are moving the right. I remember at my golf club where I'm at now, where I used to be as a junior as well. It was very kind of strict dress code, and upstairs they had an actual restaurant that was kind of part of the golf club. Where people would go for weddings or just for general meals, and even in there, they, they had at this point in the dress code. And quite often you get people coming in, maybe a group of five or six or more even, whatever it might be, and jeans were not allowed. They weren't playing golf. They weren't even sitting in the normal golf at the clubhouse. It was upstairs in the restaurant. And they'd get turned away. Crazy, I know. And they had to because if they didn't turn them away, the members of the golf club will say, well, they're going up spending 100 quid in a meal and they're allowed to wear jeans. I'm paying £1,200 a year whatever, to be a member and I can't. And now they have relaxed. So you can wear jeans in the clubhouse and stuff like that. So it's definitely progressing in, in what I perceive to be the right way. I know it's, it's it's one of those things, it's as old as time, isn't it, this whole debate of a dress code? It does get a bit boring and stuff like that. But I do think it, as we move on now, like the open have moved on, now you can take phones. I remember I had to leave, weirdly, a thing popped up on Facebook from I think eight years ago, I was at the open, and I filmed Tiger on the sly because you weren't allowed no, to. No. Whereas now it's like, they, of course they want you to film it, get it on Instagram, share yeah, how good the experiences, yeah. make everybody else want to come to the open next year. I remember giving my phone in at Robertdale. Not the last one, the one before that. So what's yeah. probably like 12 years ago or so. Yeah. And you used to go to the locker at the start and you have to put your phone inside a locker all day. You couldn't have your phone all day. Like, how mad's that? I mean, you don't, you don't have phone at the Masters. Um, I kind of, I don't agree with that, but it's different. But at the Open, like... You, you're like you have the you have the app now. You're getting co- like your tickets on your phone. Your ticket, your, your, your payment cards, your on COVID, your phone. COVID test yeah. that we had to have is on your phone. Everything is there on your and phone. That, that's a sign of evolving with the times in the right way. And I do think again, more golf clubs should start to really look. And I think a lot are to be fair, but look at like, well, actually, does it matter? Are we going to make more money and more people play golf by having not a dress, like no dress code? In some ways, possibly not. But in other ways, like the, the will people might go after work in the, the jeans and, and hit a few putts and have a beer or whatever, I don't know. But that's the problem with members, they don't want more golfers. Well, yeah. Members of a golf club do not want more members of a golf club. Yeah, that's true. They want that strict barrier. No, you have to have this. You have to have the meeting. Because I had the meeting to get in this golf club. Yeah. You have to have that meeting too. So that's where the, the big battle is. Because I reckon the actual golf clubs and the golf pro and whatever it may be will just go, yeah, no, relax, let's get mm. more people in. But it's it's the members that are the big issue. Would the golf pro be annoyed though? Because might not sell as many pairs of nice shorts and polos. You could open up what you sell. Mm. Potential gym stuff or whatever. Um, <laughs> long socks. That's probably where most pros make this money. I bet, I bet they're George's. expensive, them long socks. You know, they look like they would be. I bet they're 30, 40 quid. Yeah. When I was at Mia, we used to have a sock rule, and I used to hate enforcing it. And uh, it wasn't knee length, but it had to be calf length, I think. White and calf length. Dead weird. So we used to stock up so much on them. Yeah, there is. Like, they were like a tenner. I personally think no-show kind of training socks look the best with, yeah. with shorts. But again, that's a personal thing. Other people might prefer them longer. But to, to actually tell people what socks they have to wear is a bit odd, isn't it? <laughs> well, thanks for listening. That was very open-centric. It was, but it was going to be. It was it? always going to be. Stay after the open, we're buzzing. I've still got my water bottle. Very nice. Sustainability. Thanks, yeah. everyone, for donating. You can still donate if you wish. We'll put a link in this podcast as well. A prize to uh, win 
tickets to the 150th Open Championship next year, St Andrews? I think that has potential to be the best Open in our lifetime. Obviously, if it, if it all goes well and you have a good winner and that kind of stuff, but in terms of venue, it's the 150th. It's going to be the first one, hopefully it's proper, proper after COVID, because there's some restrictions in this one, wasn't was. there, with how many people could go yeah. and stuff. So this could be the biggest and the best and Open St Andrews ever. is ridiculous how good it is. I can't comprehend. I said this to you when we were there, but like the Open, if you've ever been you'll know but if you've not there's all these like tented villages and bars and stuff going on you'll have all that on the golf course and as soon as you walk off 18 you've got a town that's going to be absolutely i reckon it'd be class awesome. to go even if you've not even if you've not got tickets to the yeah. open because the yeah. ballots open till i think till october definitely even if you don't get tickets i don't know if they might advise you not to actually but it'd definitely be worth if you can go into the town for for a weekend or a night or even a day trip i've got one request okay that'll make the open perfect for me next year the winner gets a green jacket <laughs> it's played at augusta <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah could the open be played at augusta um one thing for me and i only have to see him there doesn't even have to be playing i would El- like eldrick i would like mr woods present sir eldrick of woodsness just even if he just goes for a trip i want to see him on the bridge i could imagine it's some weirdly that's what i mean mm. i'd love to see him there as a fan as a spectator as a patron of of handing, I don't know. I, I'd love to be him be there. Tell you what, though, imagine if and this is absolute my worst nightmare. If he decided he for some reason he couldn't, he had to retire, and that was what he decided to do it, and you'd be wouldn't be happy. Would you imagine that if he kind of if if he just can't get back to playing effective golf again, and that was what he decided to bow so out? Be it. I reckon he passes on the baton to Colin and says. I'll be emotional. I imagine if he did. It's yours now, I, think child. I mean, he could be playing. For, he could win it. Imagine if he won it. Don't. Who knows? Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, um, we'll see you next week. Yeah, again, email, send them in, anything. Uh, oh, by the way, um, we do remember we've got a main YouTube channel as well. There's some videos coming. <laughs> yeah. We've kind of just forgotten to upload We've got stuff. how to clean your grooves, <laughs> um, how to dry your clubs if you've washed them, how to put your head covers on correctly. Got some good stuff coming this week, haven't we? So stay tuned. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. See ya.